Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Industry Insight Series, brought to you by the Leaders Performance Institute and our partners, Elite Performance Partners. EPP are a performance consultancy and search firm highly regarded across sport. Together, we aim to bring you original and exclusive insight and intelligence direct from the front line of high performance. My name is John Porch. I'm the editor at the Leaders Performance Institute, and I'm sitting here at Leaders HQ with EPP founding partner Dave Slemon and EPP's managing partner Anna Edwards. Dave and Anna, welcome to the Leaders Studio. How are you both doing? Very good, thank you. Brilliant, thanks, John. Earlier today, the three of us were joined by Ben Baroudi, the Director of Leadership Development and Mental Performance at the Texas Rangers of Major League Baseball. To tell you a little bit more about our guest, Ben has worked for more than 15 years in baseball and has been with the Rangers since 2016 and has served in a number of roles. He has been in his current role since November. Development was very much on the agenda, namely career development, leadership and personal development, as well as organisational development. But Dave, what were some of the things that stuck out for you from the conversation? I think you've just described there the number of different types of development that if you're not careful, it can sound a bit woolly, it can sound not directly linked to you performing as an athlete or as a player as well. I think there's a really nice bit about three quarters of the way in where he talked about actually how all this stuff helps you perform under pressure when it matters. So it's not just soft and woolly, it's how you should be training as an athlete, not just physically. So I really like that part of the conversation. Fantastic. And Anna, what stood out for you? I love the fact that Ben talked about career aspirations as well as what it takes to bring someone into a new organization. So understanding that when someone joins, they still want to grow and there's room for growth for them. So you're taking them on a journey. And I think coupled with that, he also mentioned a lot that when people come in, they're there to help shape your values as well as just absorb them and live them. So that sort of two-way relationship between people and, and the organization. Fantastic. Right. Over to you both. Let's get right into it. Ben. Lovely to meet you again. We work with a lot of organizations and what we're trying to get out of this is trying to get a feel for what people can learn, how you develop a learning organization. And you've got a fantastic role. We've been looking into the detail of the different parts of it. Could you just quickly explain for the audience the different parts of your role and then we'll dig into different parts of that? Yes, certainly. appreciate you guys having me on today. Uh, Definitely an honor, privilege, opportunity to meet with this group and have this conversation with you guys. My role uh, with the Texas Rangers, kind of a three-pronged approach. First off, we're seeing our mental performance and mental health team. So how we are integrating, educating, uh, and making resources available to our players, both on the mental health side, but also kind of the mental skill, mental performance development side. In addition to that, uh, leadership development from a personal and professional perspective for both staff and players across our baseball operations department. So how are we bringing people into the organization? What kind of roadmap and, and uh, development plan are we putting them on, both personally and professionally, um, as, they, as they grow and develop into their roles and responsibilities and ultimately maximizing their impact and success? And then sort of the last bucket is, is on organizational development. How are we focused in improving our processes, our practices? Right now, mainly as it relates to hiring and developing our people, um, but really optimizing our communication and, uh, and and just growth and development. Brilliant. That's like f- great stuff in that, like eight or nine things to about. But the leadership development piece for kind of personal and professional development, how do you break those two things down? From a professional development standpoint, folks coming in the organization, uh, whatever their career aspirations may be, uh, whatever their leadership or their vision of leadership may be, we want to help them find that in what is genuine and authentic to them in their leadership style, their leadership development. I think we have the approach of 
we have an organization that has the opportunity to, to be a shared leadership culture, meaning everybody and anybody, no matter what your role and responsibility is, uh, you have an opportunity to be a leader in that role and grow into a more extensive and expansive leadership role as that develops. So uh, what we've done on that front, say, just in, in terms of staff is doing some group work. You have the general manager and you know, athletic trainers in the same room. It's really, you know, no titles uh, of barrier to entry on that. And it's just a conversation of what leadership means to us as individuals, but then developing the collective clarity of what we want that to look like in terms of the Texas Rangers. And then from there, it's about giving a little bit of a roadmap, giving some self-reflective resources and exercises, doing some some work with groups. You know, we have affiliate teams. We have a lot of different subcultures that we want to embrace and empower. You know, our, our A-ball team, our double-A team, our triple-A team, it's not just exclusive to our major league team. So what the leadership vision and the culture vision within each of those subcultures, we want to empower that and provide them the resources to go through those exercises on their own. And sort of the last piece of that is, is some one-on-one coaching and development, whether it's conversations with our major league staff or it's, it's an entry-level position of an individual that wants to grow into more responsibilities and more of a leadership position, kind of walking that journey with them um, and talking through where, what are some maybe uh, early opportunities to take on those leadership roles, but also you know, start to formulate what they believe is their authentic and genuine vision of, of what they can be as a leader. That's brilliant, Ben. And just to kind of jump in on what you were saying about career aspirations. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that because quite often when people come into a role new, people stop thinking about where they w- might want to go in the future because they're doing something new now. And I guess when we're hiring people, we have a, a sort of mantra or principle we talk about, which is no one's ever more than an 80% fit for a role. And that's partly about understanding that people are human, briefs are theoretical, but it's also about understanding the need to grow into a role and that if, if there isn't room for you to develop, then you're going to get stuck and you're going to get bored quite quickly. So how sort of overt are you in talking about where people might go next and how they'll develop once they arrive? Our process on the front end in terms of interviewing, hiring, we're looking for high impact individuals. I think individuals that understand that they're coming in to serve a role, but Mm -hmm. we don't want anyone that's coming in and and they're sort of complacent and content in really anything, whether it's growing in more responsibilities in that role or growing in more uh, skill development or impact potential in that role. Uh, We want to help facilitate that and we want to empower that. Uh, I can recall my my interview process, you know, eight years ago now, it was sort of that 80% is that, that might be 80% of what you're doing is, is on that job description, but we, we expect you to, to have value add and, and impact and contribute in other areas in different realms. So um, I think we want to bring in people that have that, that thirst to develop, thirst to grow, thirst to learn and increase their impact each and every day. And that's a lot of the group work conversations that we have is developing impact as a leader. Um, we all have these abstract terms and, and, thoughts of what that is, but how do we translate that into making impact in others? So it's it's kind of going back to you know owning the role and responsibility that you're in and, and being present in that and taking care of that first and foremost, but doing that to the best of your ability and always looking towards how you can can do better, how can you can learn, how can you can develop in that role to expand your impact. As Bill Walsh's book says, the score will take care of itself at the end of the day. So um, I think if we have in, individuals that are motivated to to make impact, 
they're going to grow in their careers. They're going to develop in, in advance to where they want to be ultimately. And I think we want to be the organization that they grow with. Uh, we don't want folks to be looking elsewhere to find those opportunities. We want them to feel like we're investing in their development and they can grow and, and kind of fulfill their career aspirations with us. And how do you make the time to do that? Because so often the sort of the day-to-day and the tasks take over and actually this, this sort of work gets pushed to the side. First and foremost, that's kind of the beauty of, of creating this role in this department. And uh, our leadership group, John Daniels, Chris Young, saw that so many people within our organization, so many people in, in, say, our front office staff felt really passionate about developing people and career development across the board, across the organization. But to your point, you know, the day-to-days, the, the other things that we are responsible for in a, in a baseball department, it's tough to find the time of the day. So creating this role in this department where you know, we're, we're fortunate where we're able to dedicate that day in and day out. And, and our sole purpose of being here is to kind of help and, and empower and provide resources to folks in their development. So that's my priority every day is, is how are we developing our people? Now, with our size of our staff, with our number of players, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, a, of an undertaking, but I think we've got the people in place. We're starting to put the processes in place. I think providing individuals with some, some self resources and guides where they can kind of coach themselves to some extent. And then we bring that into those one-on-one conversations to see what the, the kind of track that they're on. Uh, we bring it into group conversations to see, are we developing a collective clarity here of what leadership or, or what growth and development means to us as a group? And I think with that collective clarity, it increases the impact, it increases support of each other and, and kind of comes back to that, to that shared leadership perspective and priority. Ben, you mentioned impact being a clear and important reference of wanting people to come in to have that. And yet when people are developing, you may not always get that immediately. There's, there's a, an actual tension or space needed for people to develop before they have that impact. So how do you deal with that tension? When we're talking impact, we're talking about creating a, a dynamic staff that if you have those folks, it's resulting in higher outputs. It's increasing our player development environment. Um, I think we're creating sort of multi-dimensional individuals that are excelling um, not only uh, in the confines of their professional life, but their personal life. So I think when, when you're creating that, that, as you said, tension, yeah, I think it's, it's giving folks some insight into where those opportunities may lie. So uh, for example, um, an entry level individual in our office, okay, what, what are some early opportunities to start to develop and hone some leadership skills that may be interviewing, supervising, mentoring our internship group. So I think everyone in whatever position they have, I think there are opportunities that can be created that facilitate some leadership experience, but then allow them and ensure that they're supported in that. Um, I think our, our main thing here is setting people up to succeed. And I think if they're not feeling supported in those roles and they're sort of kind of navigating it on their own, that can be really challenging. So I think that's a priority for my group. If we're going to give folks the opportunity to to kind of grow and, and be experiencing some of those leadership opportunities, what are we doing to support them through that, to talk through you know, how they're handling those situations, talk through the conversations that, that they're having with those folks that they're being asked to lead um, and not going at it alone, going at it in a supported way uh, where they feel like they have the resources, where they have the freedom and trust to 
navigate that. And it's not always going to be perfect. And they're not always going to be pristine the first time around, but and that allow them to feel supported through that is really important. It's interesting to hear you talk about sort of leadership and the way that you've mentioned almost a collective view of how leadership's developing within the organization. Do you have a kind of defined view of what leadership means for you? Or is it something that is evolving? You know, it's it interesting seeing you in Tampa and us having the conversation about the different types of leadership style and laissez-faire versus empowered versus authoritarian. But is that something that the group's working on together or is that something that you feel that you know how to define? Yeah, I think it's it's finding a balance of that. Um, I don't I don't I think we want to ensure that everyone has the opportunity. I think we all have those leadership qualities within us, and it's just about extracting those that are still genuine and authentic to who each individual is. I would say the priority leadership qualities, trust building qualities, you know, transparency, credibility, reliability. Uh, intimacy. How how safe do those folks around you feel? Orientation. What are your what are your motives in this? Why do you want to be a leader? Is it just pure career advancement, or is it truly wanting to invest in others and advance the organization? And what our our impact and, and opportunities and and operations can be? Accountability in all aspects of our personal and professional life. Are we leading ourselves first and foremost? Are we welcoming folks into our journey? And kind of comes back to that trust. Like, hey. I'm leading for the first time, for example, any feedback you have for me, how would you do it? And welcoming others onto that journey. In addition to those kind of trust building qualities, you know, the humility, the empathy, self-awareness is certainly a key. Um, I think good leaders are highly relational, highly accountable, highly productive. They're authentic over authoritative. Um, And I think for us and where we are in professional sports, and as many can relate, is is high standards and being consistent with them, that you're the same and you expect the same day in and day out um, and recognizing that not everyone's perfect, but we're going to have high standards and we're going to always aspire to them. And if we're falling short of them, those are conversations and, and areas for development. And, and that kind of comes back to providing clarity of expectations and, and allowing others to feel empowered to accomplish them. We, we recognize that not everyone is going to be flawless and mistake-free especially in a fast-paced, high-pressure environment. But we have to have a little bit of that trust built in that, all right, here are some opportunities, here are maybe the different uh, levels and magnitude of those opportunities, but we want folks to feel like they're supported and they have the freedom to develop and grow. And with that, it's going to be a process. That was all brilliant, but there was a great point that you made in the middle of it, which is a question that people so rarely ask, which is, why do you want to be a leader? You know, there's an assumption, certainly with a lot of the people we meet, that the next stage is to be a leader, but they don't necessarily ask themselves the question is, is that the path I want to follow? And and why do I? Why is it important? Certainly. We want folks, whatever their career aspirations may be, whether that's, you know, what their, what their focus is today versus tomorrow, we want them to feel like I'm supported and this is authentic to me, regardless of that role and responsibility. And I think that's why one of the first kind of approaches we have is what is your vision for leadership personally? What do good leaders look like? But also when you're being authentically you, what do you feel like you're contributing to the group? What do you feel like you can really provide to enhance the environment and those around you and not asking anyone to be something that they're not at the end of the day? 
You mentioned the group work. It sounded fascinating to me around the different levels of people in that environment. Could you just bring that to life a little bit and explain what that actually looks like? How do you actually make that work and, and what's the impact of the more junior people working with the senior? Can you just paint a picture of that for us? Sure. Uh, I would say on the, on the staff side, it's, it's sort of the scalable approach of you know, having some folks do some personal reflection, kind of as we touched about their vision for leadership, I think their self-care. At the end of the day, are we taking care of ourselves first and foremost? Do we have balance in our lives? It's hard to give the best that you can to others if you're not giving the best to yourselves first and foremost. So I think continuously reminding our folks that, you know, to establish their own self-care routine um, to ensure that they're able to, to give outwardly. On, on the group work front, yeah, we've done it in a couple different ways. We've done it with with kind of our bigger groups where it's sort of an open forum, say during spring training, you've got 50, 60 folks in there and kind of broken out into breakout groups on different topics just to engage in conversation and, and hear each other's perspectives on things and sort of bring these values to life. Um, I think at the end of the day, you can pass out handouts or establish these mantras or priorities or pillars but if you're not bringing those values to life, if you're not providing clarity of what that looks like when we're at our best, you, you're sort of always going to fall short in, in our opinion. Um, so I think it's really bringing some of these values to life and speaking them into existence and what it really looks like in terms of tangible action items around our specific roles and responsibilities, whether that's an athletic training staff. Okay, when, when they're operating at their best, what does that look like? Same with strength and conditioning, front office, scouting. Uh, all of our different areas of operation. Obviously, our coaches are pouring into our players day in and day out and leading them on a daily basis. So I think with each role and responsibility, giving some some specific tangible examples to bring those values to life is really important. And then as we get into kind of our subcultures, you know, with each affiliate staff, each minor league staff, okay, what does this look like with us as a collective unit where it's seven, eight coaches um, and staff Okay, what does that look like to us in this situation with the group of players that we're going to have this year, given their age, given their experience and where they are in their development? So we want everyone to feel like this applies to me, but also I have a, I have a voice in this vision as well. And the other point is we've done a lot of this work with our players as well, more on conversation about bringing some of these values to life, allowing them to kind of speak into their, their leadership or just their development in general and allow them to kind of verbalize to each other and bring some of those values to life as well. We sometimes say, you know, if you can praise the cultural architects to people who are actually leading the behaviors that you want to see, we often see that what's measured is managed. Is there a way that you collect this stuff? So do you champion the people who show these behaviors? You might not be there yet. Have you created a system whereby you can actually go, well, this is what a behavior looks like for athletic trainer or for a coach or for a player. Is that the work you've done yet? I would say it's a work in progress. Uh, we have done it with some groups. I think, say, for example, our, our strength and conditioning group has done a really good job of kind of speaking into what those tangible examples look like, what they want to represent, what their process and pillars look like when they're pouring into the players. But I think at the end of the day, culture, whether it's a subculture, whether it's a, a organization wide, you know, it has to evolve, it has to be cultivated, it has to be nurtured. So I think we're always kind of evolving in that. And when you're focused in a high performing environment and professional sports, and uh, you're looking for your, the best people you can find to perform at the highest level, it's really kind of comes back to the equation of talent times environment equals the performance. 
So I think we, we want each of those groups to feel like this applies to us and, and this is how it looks like when we're achieving and operating at a high level. But back to your question, how we're measuring that, I think it's a balance of you know, old school conversations of how did you feel like that seminar went? How did you feel that conversation or this exercise went? Did you feel like you got benefit from it? And really trying to solicit feedback from our people. Our group is not trying to come in and say, this, we've got all the answers. You just listen to us and you're going to be a great leader. Uh, we want the input and we want to build this as a collective unit uh, to have something that represents us as an organization. We're not, we're not trying to be some, some other organization. I think we're pulling best practices and ideas and different practices from different groups. But I think we want to build something that's authentically us, that represents who we are, what we represent, what we aim to be. Uh, and then at the end of the day, what we can accomplish personally and as a collective unit. Soliciting that direct feedback from folks, we've done so in, in survey form, whether they feel like those seminars are beneficial, uh, whether they feel like it's, it's helping and enhancing their leadership journey, whether it's drawing folks closer together just through that trust and, and uh, transparency and, and connections. So I think it's, it's a few different approaches, um, both qualitatively and quantitatively um, early on. And then I think as we build this out, continuing to reinforce it by the conversations, the sentiment and the numbers. But I think culture articulated is just the tip of the iceberg compared to the culture that's experienced. Mm -hmm. So I think we're focused on what do the people within our organization feel? What does it look like? What does it feel like to be part of? That often leads to the question about onboarding and how you actually bring people into an organization because those first few weeks, first few months are so important. How do you go about setting up that? This is how this feels. This is what this is about. This is who we are while letting people make their own stamp. Do you have a kind of rigorous process you follow or is it more fluid than that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, sort of when this department was created, was sort of aligned with a lot of our new hiring processes and bringing folks on for the following season. So it's been a little bit of a case-by-case -case basis, mm -hmm. a little bit of an individual basis, but that's certainly a priority that we're building out. And, you know, it's something that we're looking towards, say, for this summer in terms of our amateur draft and bringing those players into the organization. What is that first touch point? What does that first experience look like? How are we setting the tone and expectation of this is what it feels like? here's what it is to be a part of this organization in, in doing so in a holistic approach. Yes, here, here are the expectations of being a pitcher in the organization, a hitter in the organization, getting in your, your preparation and your work. But what are the other ways that we're going we're gonna to invest in you and that we expect you to invest in yourself? So that's certainly, that's kind of the priority now as we look towards the draft coming up here in a few weeks and getting those players onboarded and getting their first taste of the organization and setting them up to succeed and uh, really just hitting the ground running of their careers. And then as we kind of shape the kind of staffing calendar going into the off season, certainly some, something similar. Do you have a way of recognizing or assessing those they call soft skills, but they're the hardest things to get? I think the human skills, you talk about empathy and self-awareness and humility, the three skills or traits that you mentioned. Technical capabilities relatively straightforward, but have you figured out a way or how do you factor in those more human skills when you're hiring people? That's kind of the, the secret sauce, right? For any successful organization is, is the softer skills of, of the folks that we bring in. So kind of going back to your technical skills are probably going to get you the interview. But I think 
the feel and the human side and what we feel like you can do to be a culture enhancer is what results in, in the hiring. So I think we have a very collaborative process on our end of what those interview processes look like. I think we try to really focus in on getting to know somebody. Um, certainly there's going to be technical elements of each conversation, and that will certainly vary based on what the role and responsibility might be. But I think we do a ton of background work talking to former colleagues, former players that may have played for a coach to really get a sense of who the individual is, what they represent, what their values are. That's certainly a part of our interview process is trying to get a sense of this individual's, what their, what their core values are. At the end of the day, we, we interview and speak to so many talented people, so many qualified people that from a technical standpoint would transition in completely seamlessly. But I think we're looking for folks that are bringing a perspective that can enhance our culture. I, I don't love the term culture fit. I think the term culture enhancer is more what we're looking for. And I think that's led to improvements in our hiring process in terms of our diversity, equity, inclusion, and our efforts to continuously improve there. And it's not about, you know, we're looking for this specific demographic to fill this specific role, but I think it's expanding our search. It's looking in new areas for different, for different qualified individuals and just casting a wider, a wider net in our search that's going to increase our talent pool and, and of, of potential candidates at the end of the day and also increase our diversity of thought, our diversity of experiences and perspectives. And I think with that brings about innovation, creativity, and just a more dynamic and progressive staff at the end of the day. Yeah, no, we kind of agree. I mean, the cultural fit piece, we always talk about it. We like cultural ad. You're kind of really hoping to set it up so that kind of the values, mindset, behaviors, or beliefs are aligned enough for that person to be able to thrive. It's not that you want everyone to be the same, far from it. You know, we see diversity as a competitive advantage, but there can sometimes be a tension there of, of kind of wanting people to, to fit. It has to be a new environment where you can feel like you belong and be yourself. How do you deal with that? It's a team sport, but you want people to be authentic and be themselves. How do you deal with that tension? Because we see it can be a challenge. How do you be yourself, but also be part of a team? Is that a challenge you you see? Yeah, certainly. It's it's a competitive environment, and um, you know, as we see, like spring training, it's typically good mood. Everyone, you know, <laughs> we haven't lost the game yet, and what <laughs> have you. Um, and then once the season starts, and the the pressure is, is ratcheted up a notch. You really kind of see uh, how folks respond. So I think within that, you know, there's certainly some expectations, expectations of leadership of say a manager or, or hitting coaches and executive staff and our directors of here's really what our priorities are in terms of being a leader in this organization. But I think when we come back to building and developing authentic leaders, it's what is your awareness of yourself and others? Uh, how do you understand your leadership approach and developing that unique style? But really, I think one of the most important parts is it's developing those meaningful relationships and it's empowering others and it's trusting in each other in those moments. And we, we do some exercises where we kind of talk through, you know, those situations that are going to arise where it's the bottom of the ninth inning and the manager maybe wants to bring this pitcher in and the pitching coach may want to bring someone else in. How are we navigating those situations how are we having those conversations? What are we doing to prepare on the front end of that? And what's kind of the debrief coming out of the, what those decisions are? So it all comes back to, yes, operating in, in the context of a team and ensuring that that's the priority at the end of the day. Player development side, getting our players better, 
Um, and then at, at the end of the day, it's how are we building a sustainable championship level organization first and foremost. But I think we feel like that can be done through that personal and professional development. And if each individual's developing and growing on their own, growing, growing personally, growing in their mindset, growing in their performance, um, and then doing so in the context of a collective unit, that, that creates something really powerful. When we feel like we can accomplish really special things if we do this together and we all feel the accountability to each other, accountability to ourselves, and we all feel a role and responsibility in creating, but also preserving and, and enhancing that environment yeah i think you make some great points there and the, the one that really resonates is the bit around sometimes people think that the development personal professional or mental skills and performance is a bit woolly it's like it's hard to make it tangible but ultimately it's about how you deal with pressure better you know it's like when you're in a sporting environment it can be really intense and you're hopefully giving your athletes your staff the ability to be authentic to be consistent when it matters you know it's like learning those skills that when the pressure comes on you're not overreacting you you're not throwing the, the baby out of the bathwater you do you're being consistent and i think that's what came through there is that that's hopefully what you're doing is you're giving people the skills both players and staff to be able to deal with the difficult moments and also not overreact afterwards and that's we we focus so much on on the training environment of the pitchers or the hitters and the in creating a, a competitive training environment. Uh, so when they do get into those pressure situations, they just kind of let their natural abilities take over, let their physical abilities take over. Um, I think what we've really focused on this off season going to this season is more of, of kind of the mental side of things, um, kind of revamping our mental performance department, really bringing in folks with a lot of specific baseball experience so they can really connect and relate to the players and understand really in the context of a game, what are players experiencing? Uh, what are the challenges and threats that they're being faced with? And how are they embracing that challenge mentality versus threat mentality? And, and really blocking out the noise at the end of the day um, and really focusing on the challenge and task at hand. So doing a lot of kind of baseball specific tangible work around that has been a, a high priority. And then at the end of the day, um, you know, their mental health standpoint. So we brought in a team psychologist, uh, first time kind of a dedicated integrated team psychologist in the organization to really ensure that players are in a good headspace. It's really hard to compete. It's really hard to try and put the icing on the cake if you don't feel like, you know, uh, you're in the fundamental good space mentally, emotionally. It's really hard to compete and perform at a high level if the basic human elements are not in place. So I think we're really trying to look at how are we focused on the support and development of the holistic individual and recognizing that these are, these are humans. They are young. They are developing. They're faced with challenges and expectations and, and pressure situations. And we want to really just support and walk that journey with them and provide them all the resources that we can along the way. It's interesting because obviously a lot of the things that you've done seem to be new and a lot of the people you brought in are new as well, but there must be a group of people who are having to go on a new journey with you. How have you found that? You know, Are people adapting at the same rate or are you finding that some people are finding it easier to understand this new way of working, to, to talk about some of these things that perhaps haven't been front of mind for them before? Yeah, I, I think we look back to 
folks that have been in the organization for a long time, they are leaders. You know, our coaches that have been around for a long time, they are leaders. They are mental performance coaches. They've been pouring into our players for years and years. And really now it's just what we've tried to approach it as is, okay, we want to hear from you. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to hear your your experience in this space. We want to hear of what you've gathered over years and years of experience and being in those competitive, high pressure environments, or just the experience of mentoring young young men and being around them from the age of, you know, in, in our sport, pretty young, 17, 18 years old. What are the challenges that you've seen them face? What have you faced as staff members being in a de demanding environment, traveling, being away from home and family? So I, I think what what our department is new, but what we're trying to help foster is, is nothing new in the sense of there's always been leaders in this organization. There's always been people that are mentoring and leading others. There's always been folks that are pouring into players from a mental health and mental performance standpoint. Uh, we're just trying to give them the platform to share that across the organization so others can learn and benefit from it and just enhance and provide further resources to prop up the organization and build that really strong foundation that, you know, what we hope and, and expect a sustainable championship level organization can be built upon. Just thinking that you've been there for, well, in this role for eight months, for anybody else who's kind of going into or is working in this space or maybe they're starting a new department, is there any advice you'd give for somebody starting a department the way that you have? I constantly get... The, the question, how's it going, right? Like, <laughs> so how's it going? Do you like it? It's, I, I love it. Um, I think coming in, you just, you've got ideas, you, you know, there's so much opportunity. There's so many things as any organization wants to do. And there's so many different ways to go about doing it. I appreciate kind of John Daniels and Chris Young's trust to maybe try some things here and there, but I'm also very conscious of that and that it's, we don't want to just be testing things out constantly. So being pretty calculated in some of the, the programs or initiatives or areas of focus that we roll out. But to that point, you know, I think the, the most important thing is observe, listen, and ask questions, you know, especially with this role, previous two roles were in the scouting department and then more on kind of the daily major league operations roster side of things. So uh, having this role really cast across the organization with a heavy focus on on our minor league system and our player development system. It's an area where I, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with previously. So really trying to get a feel for the environment, getting a feel for the challenges that our players and coaches face in that environment, um, and really just observe, listen, ask questions. And really in this first year, um, it's been a balance of that, certainly of I want, I want, you know, hoping to come in and make an impact and, and really hit the ground running and, and map things out. Um, but I think understanding where we are um, and then trying to segue that into where we think we can go uh, as an organization, it, that takes time. It certainly does. But I think we've got a lot of great people that have a lot of great experience and perspectives and how to get there that will really you know, expedite the process. So I think in this first year, understanding what our priorities are, you know, our pillars, if you will, how can we sort of tackle the low-hanging fruit of if we address these things, that's going to make kind of immediate impact. But it's also about building trust. I think all of this is possible once you have that trust. If you go into a conversation with a staff member or a player and it's, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's here's what I think, this and that. And there's not that foundation of trust. It, it's really going to be 
probably more challenging if, if you precede that trust and vulnerability. And then the progress comes much more seamlessly and authentically from there. At the end of the day, it's putting our values into action. So if we say we want to be a values-based, purpose-driven organization of, of shared leadership and build a sustainable championship-level organization, okay, how are we putting those values into action? How are we showing that that's what we want to represent at the end of the day? And that just kind of comes back to the trust building element of things last question for me and it's actually the second half to that question you've been in eight this is sometimes difficult to be totally honest but if you if you've been in eight months if you could go back now what you know to day one what one thing would you do differently be patient i would say (laughs) Um, which i think i've tried really hard but i think there's always could have done it better where it's okay here's what we want this to look like or that to look like and make that immediate impact, if you will, which I think we, we we certainly did. And I still think we certainly could have, but I think just continue to be patient along the road and you want to, all right, here's what, here's what this whole thing's going to look like. And here's what, you know, year one, two, three, four, five is going to look like. It's just, it's, it's not realistic. And I think it's, you're setting yourself up to step in some holes and maybe have some setbacks. If you try to truly like map that out and push it all forward because I think it comes back to the listening and observing and really getting input from our people because you can have those conversations say in in the off season or during spring training but those those conversations and that insight continues to evolve as we get into the season you know we're a few months in now and you know it's been 105 degrees every day here in Texas for for say our minor league teams and what are they facing now? That's not something you can simulate in January in a conversation. Um, so to be able to go in, visit our affiliates, get a sense of what are they really going through now? Without without that insight and experience, you can't fully build out and, and provide them all the, the content and resources that we feel like we can until you live it and you've gone through it with them or hear their perspective of, some of these guys are going through it for the first time and understanding what their experiences are going through it for the first time and, and the challenges that they're being faced. None of that can be fast forwarded. You can't skip steps in that. Uh, there's no Cliff Notes version of, of all that. So I think just continuing to be patient, continuing to gather that kind of emotional intel is priceless. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Ben, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it.